Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We are in week two of a series that we're calling Run It Back. And in this series, we're, we're looking back at some of the messages in the series from our first hundred weeks as a church, and we're teaching them all over again. We're running them back. And by the way, today is actually week 100 of our church, and uh, we're still undefeated, 100-0 after today. And, uh, and I've said this before, and I truly believe it. I truly believe that we are in the middle of a miracle, um, that we truly are experiencing Ephesians 3.20 immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. And trust me, throughout this whole time, I've been asking and imagining very big things. And so it's so amazing to be a part of something where you truly are experiencing immeasurably more. And the truth is, God has done so many great things in and through our church that we could brag on God about. But uh, while we have a lot to celebrate today, there's nothing greater than in the first 100 weeks, get this, 669 people have made decisions to follow Jesus within our first hundred weeks. And uh, I just want to stop right here and make this very clear that anytime that we talk about anything like that, I always want to stop and make sure that we give 100% of the credit and the honor and the glory and the worship to God and to God alone. And so uh, it's awesome. So for today's message in this second week of Run It Back, we're going to go all the way back to week 37 of our church, uh, to the series that we called Goals. And this was a series that was all about relationships. And by the way, if you wanna go back and listen to any sermon that we've ever had, any series, any message, you can find all those on our audio podcasts on Apple and Spotify. And really the big idea of this goal series was that we all have goals for our relationships, all of us. But, this, but this, the point of this series is that God's word says a lot about relationships. In other words, that God himself has goals for your relationships. And so this week, uh, write this down if you're taking notes. We are revisiting the goal of fighting right, of fighting right. So right now in the middle of everything that's happening in our world and we're going back to our relationship series out of all the messages what's the one we need to talk about we need to talk about how to fight right um so let's pray and then uh, let's invite god to speak to us today god help us learn how to fight right in Jesus' name, amen. I uh, got a lot to cover today. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, now let, let's be honest today in church. How many of you, just by show of hands, uh, even if you're watching right there in the chat, just, just kind of throw, throw an emoji hand up there, but just by show of hands, how many of you had had some fights during this crazy season? How many of you just had some fights? Call them corona fights. How many of you have had some <laughs> corona fights? Come on, don't be acting like, like you haven't had any fights or that you don't ever have corona fights. And maybe you're like, no, Pastor Brian, like we just have intense disagreements. Stop <laughs> it. That's called a fight. It's called a fight. And it makes sense because for the last five months, many of us have been stuck at home. 
And we've been quarantined and we've been around the same people all the time. Maybe that's roommates or your family or a spouse or kids or friends. Just that you've been around the same people. And like, not only that, it's five months straight of like really high stress situations filled with the uncertainty, um, with things like constantly changing. Almost every single day, it seems like we're experiencing something different. And then so many times we've been bombarded with bad news. And um, maybe you've had moments like me, like throughout the last five, six months, where it's just like, I'm just tired of life like this. And so like, who's around me that I can take it out on? And so I think it makes sense that, that we would be in getting in some fights throughout this time. In fact, I heard recently of like during this time uh, about this guy who said to his wife, and by the way, I cannot believe that he lived after he said this, uh, but he said, how can you be so beautiful and so stupid, which by the way is a bad word in my home, uh, at the same time? And she responded, well, allow me to explain. God made me so beautiful so that you would be attracted to me. And God made me so stupid that I would be attracted to you. <laughs> now, by the way, that was not real. It's fake. Okay, it was made up. Just a joke. Okay. Uh, so Heather, my wife, uh, you know, we, I, I, I would like to think that we have a great marriage. Um, in fact, on in May, uh, we celebrated our 16-year wedding anniversary. Uh, right there in the middle of all this stuff. But you know, I think we have a great marriage. But we fight. I'm not going to be the pastor that stands in front of you and tries to put off this thing like my life is perfect and that we always have it together all the time. No, we fight too, just like everybody else. And we've had some corona fights. In fact, we fought this week. We've literally had a fight this week. And really, here's the big idea of today. Here's really the, the, the whole thing. Like, if you can get this, this is exactly the big idea for everything, is that the goal is not to not fight, but to fight right. That's the goal. The goal is not to not fight, but to fight right. Because I think sometimes we have these unrealistic expectations that the goal is never to fight. So come on, pastor, tell me about relationships to the point where I'll never have another conflict again, that all conflict is bad, so we have to avoid it at all costs. But I love you enough to tell you the truth that in your relationships, in your friendships, in your family, in your roommates, in your marriage, you will have conflict. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So fighting and conflict, it is inevitable, but the goal again, is not to not fight, but to fight right. Because here's what I've learned. Conflict done the right way at the right time with the right heart will always lead to the right results. Now, that is, that is good. That is good. You should probably write that down because that's, that's, because I'll say it again. Because conflict done the right way at the right time with the right heart will always lead to the right results. Let me put it this way, just a little bit simpler, that healthy conflict leads to healthy relationships. So today, we're gonna look at a couple in the Bible that had a fight. 
So Song of Songs, it might be called in your Bible, Song of Solomon. It's in the Old Testament, and it's a poetic book of the Bible, and it's all about love that describes, honestly, in pretty graphic detail, a relationship between a husband and a wife. So just FYI, it is PG-13, and two out of the eight chapters of this book of the Bible deals with conflict. Two out of the eight chapters, it talks about this fight that this couple gets in. And in their fight, we see three stages of how to fight right. And so today, we're going to be talking in the context of marriage, but this really applies to any relationship that you have in your life. So I promise you, every fight we have has these three stages. And here's number one, the event. Everything starts with the event. Conflicts and fights always begin with this catalytic event. Maybe it's a disagreement or a tension. It's a difference of opinion. I think we should do this. No, I think we should do that. Maybe it's a disalignment of vision or values. Maybe it's an unmet expectation. But like it always starts with an event. And so in chapter five, in verse two, this is the woman talking. And listen to what she says. She says, I slept but my heart was awake when I heard my lover knocking. So something happened, some conflict, they're apart. It's late at night, she's in bed, but she can't sleep. And he's knocking on the door and he would only knock on the door because he's locked out. <laughs> and so he is officially in the doghouse. So he's knocking on the door, let me in, let me in. She's like, I'm in bed, but I'm not asleep. And then listen to what she continues to say. And he's calling, open to me, my treasure, my darling, my love, my perfect one. He is laying it on <laughs> thick. He know, he, you know he knows that he's in trouble. So he's in trouble. And he says, my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. But I responded, this is the woman talking, I've taken off my robe. Should I get dressed again? I have washed my feet. Should I get them soiled? And so she's like, no, sir. I already got ready for bed. I'm not getting up. Like, and so she's making them earn it, playing it hard to get. And, uh, and she goes on to say, my lover tried to unlatch the door, and my heart thrilled within me. I jumped up to open the door for my love, and my hands dripped with perfume. My fingers dripped with lovely myrrh. So remember, this is very poetic in nature. As I pulled back the bolt, I opened to my lover, but he was gone. So it's like, he said, all right, you ain't going to open the door for me. I'm out. <laughs> and so she opens the door. He's not there. And then she says, my heart sank. I searched for him, but I could not find him anywhere. I called to him, but... There was no reply. And so this event leads to a fight. And how many of you know that in a fight, small things can quickly turn into big things? That when emotions get all turned up, we get in our feels, and things can escalate very quickly. And if we're not careful, we say things that we don't mean. We do things we, we don't wish we would have done, and we do things that we later regret. And here's what I've learned. I've learned that when the event happens, that causes the fight, when, the, when this event happens, there's not a lot of productive things that can happen. But there's a whole lot of destructive things that can happen when this event happens. So how do you keep this whole thing when the event happens from, from going nuclear, 
just a full-on red alert <laughs> when this event happens. So how do you do that? So I'm going to give you a principle for each stage. And so here's the principle. To fight right, create pre-fight rules. And this is so important. In fact, I believe this is one of the most important part of this message. And so to, to fight right, create pre-fight rules. These predetermined rules and boundaries that you decide, here's the key, before the fight. That if you wait until you're in the fight, it's already too late. So let me give you some examples. Because I, I think this could help you. And even still these, make these your your pre-fight rules like this, like never put it off. That's a great one. Just we're never going to put it off. We're never just going to sweep it under the rug. We're never like we're never going to put it off. In fact, Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 and 27 says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry for anger gives a foothold to the devil. And um, basically, it says that, like, we cannot go to sleep until we settle it, which I don't know about you, but that gives me great motivation to settle it because I like me some sleep. And it says, like, so never, never, never put it off. Here's another one, never in public. Another one is never in front of our kids. This one is great, never get physical. We're just not going to go there. That we're never going to call names. That we're just not going to do that. We're not going to say, you're this, and we're never going to call names. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. And get this, even in a fight. Everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be encouragement to those who hear them. So we're never going to call names. Here's another one. Never raise your voice. And by the way, I've, I've failed at this big time. Um, that, it's an area in my life where I, I, I haven't, and I, you know, and I, I used to make, make excuses like, but I'm just passionate. That's just how God wired me. God wired, I mean, I'm just passionate. But I've learned that even if I'm right, I can, be, I can still be wrong if I'm yelling and screaming. Yeah. Jimmy Evans puts it this way, that our marriage will never rise above our mouths. And so we're going to never raise your voice. That's a good pre, pre-fight rule. Here's another one. Never shut down. I'm never just going to just emotionally shut down or mentally shut off. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to shut down. We're never going to keep a long list. We're not going to go historical. We're not going to bust out the scroll about all the different things that you've done since we met each other. We're not going to do that. We're not going to keep a long list. No, because 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, love, it keeps no record of wrongs. And so we're never going to keep a long list. We're never going to say always or never. We're not going to do that. And then we're never going to threaten divorce. It's a great pre-fight rule. And uh, just take that word out of your vocabulary. Take that word, the D word. Take it out of your vocabulary. Because you can't fight right if they're in fear that you're going to leave them. And so I've just, I'm telling you, I've made a decision that if Heather leaves me, I'm going with her. <laughs> I really have. She's out of here. I'm with her. Uh, because divorce is not an option. It's not. 
Because I, I, walked in, I, I walked in aisle, I looked her in the aisle, May 22nd, 2004, and I just didn't make a promise. I made a vow. I made a covenant that till death do us part. And so I started thinking about this, and, and I had an idea, and uh, I, I had this idea. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually, because divorce is not an option, we're never going to threaten that, we're going to take that word out of our vocabulary. So I had this idea, I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut out that word and another word out of every dictionary we own. First, I'm going to cut out the word impossible because with God, nothing is impossible. So I'm just going to take that word out of my vocabulary and divorce uh, because I, I, I'm just taking it out of my vocabulary. I'm just not going to do it. But here's the problem. It's 2020 and I do not have a dictionary. Um, and so uh, I, I didn't know how to uh, like hack into dictionary.com and somehow try to take that out. <laughs> Um, but I was able to find uh, this, and it's a, it's a handy Spanish dictionary. Um, and so I cut that bad boy out in two languages here. And so uh, if you can see, that, that this, 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 is, this is gone. So I took it out in both Spanish and English. So uh, imposible is not in there, and so is divorcio is not in here. So... Um, we're going to never threaten divorce. And here, here's the last one. Here's the last pre-fight rule, and it's really important. And this is like maybe, I know it's number 10, but maybe it should be number one. Never quote your pastor. Never, <laughs> never. Leave me out of it, okay? Don't do that. So, uh, so, um, so, how, so everything starts with the event. So this, this event happens, but, you know, we're, to fight right, before the event happens, we're going to create these pre-fight rules, and then here's number two. Here's kind of the second stage of every conflict, every fight that we have is the choice, is the choice. So after the event happens and we find ourselves in the middle of a fight, that's when we are face to face with a choice, with a decision. Do I do what's right or not? Do I use the pre-fight rules that we worked on or not? Do I do what God wants me to do or do I do what I want to do? Am I right here going to be led by my feelings and my emotions, or am I going to be led by my predetermined choices? And so listen to what happens, and it, we'll, we'll pick everything back up. Song of Songs, chapter 5, verse 10 through 16. And so just context before I read the verses. Uh, he had just walked away, very highly emotional moment. And the Bible says that she gets together with a bunch of girlfriends. And girls, you already know that that's some trouble. Like, that's just some trouble. So it's, you know, taking sides and stirring up drama, saying things, can you believe that he did that to you? You deserve so much better. But listen to her response. She says this, my lover is dark and dazzling, better than 10,000 others, including all your men. His head is fine as gold, his wavy hair is black as a raven. His eyes sparkle like doves beside springs of water. His cheeks are like gardens of spices giving off fragrance. His lips are like lilies uh, perfumed with myrrh. By the way, men, find you a girl that talks to you that way. She starts bragging on her man. And, and she says, his arms are like rounded bars of gold. His legs are like marble pillars set in sockets of finest gold. His posture is stately like the noble cedars of Lebanon, which is Israel, not northern Cincinnati. Uh, and... <laughs> 
His mouth is sweetness itself. He is desirable in every way. Such, they're in the middle of a fight. Such, O women of, of Jerusalem, is my lover, my friend. Instead of getting caught up in the drama, she begins bragging on her man behind his back. But listen to what he's saying at the same exact time. He's not saying, can you believe what she did to me, locked me out of the house, wouldn't come to the door when I was knocking, even spitting game, and she wouldn't even come my way? <laughs> listen, to what, listen to what he says. He says, at the same time, you are beautiful, my darling. Yes, as beautiful as Jerusalem, as majestic as an army with billowing banners. Turn your eyes away, for they overpower me. Your hair falls in waves like the flock, like a flock of goats winding down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are as white as sheep that are freshly washed. Ladies, find you a man that talks about your teeth that way. Your smile is flawless, each tooth. It, it, obsessed about the teeth. Uh, each tooth matched with this twin. Your cheeks are like rosy pomegranates behind your veil. Remember, this is very poetic language. Even among, 60, even among 60 queens and 80 concubines and countless young women, line them all up, I would still choose my dove, my perfect one. Now, here's the, here's the beauty of it. I know, I know it's funny. I know it's, it's poetic. It's kind of like, okay, they're talking about goats and hair and, and like <laughs> all this stuff. But here's the beauty of these verses is that it makes so much sense if you look at the situation for them to be mad, for them to push each other away, for them to, like, just, I, I want to be right. I want to assume the worst. But they both make the choice to believe the best, to be humble, to do what's right instead of just, I want to be right. And, um, and, and they choose to take the high road. And by the way, the high road is never the wrong road, ever. So practically, what does that look like? So whenever you find yourself in this stage of the fight, the choice to fight right, choose to go first. To fight right, choose to go first. Regardless of what the other person does, I'll go first. I'll take the first step. I'll do what's right. I'm not gonna wait for the other person to come to me, to initiate, to apologize, no. I'm going to listen to the words of Jesus where he says in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. I will say this, that if you are a follower of Jesus, that your fights should be a race to see who can make things right first. If you're a follower of Jesus, that's what your fight should look like. It should look like a race to see who can make things right first. So we have, the, we have the event that's followed by the choice. And then here's the last stage of every fight, number three, the reconciliation. So the event has happened, the fight started, but there were some pre-fight rules that were made and the choice was made to do the right thing. Now reconciliation can happen. See, now we can grow, now we can get better. Now we can move forward. But here's what I love. I just don't want to move forward because the truth is I can move forward this way and you can move forward this way. I want to do the hard work to make sure that whenever something like that happens, when a fight happens, we make decisions and now there can be some reconciliation that not only are we moving forward, but we're moving forward together. 
And so listen to what happens. We'll pick our story back up in chapter six, verse 11 and 12. It's, and this is what it says. I went down to the grove of walnut trees and out to the valley to see the new spring growth, to see whether the grape vines had budded or the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I realized it, my strong desires had taken me to the chariot of a noble man. So they found themselves back together in a chariot. And here's why that is such a big deal. Because in the time that this was written, being together as a couple in a chariot in front of people represented the ultimate sign of health and unity and togetherness. And by the way, this is the first time in Song of Songs that this couple is publicly displayed. And it's right after a fight. And it shows that not only did they work through their conflict, but now they were on the other side of it and they were stronger than ever before and they'd experienced reconciliation. So practically, what does that look like? So when you're here in this stage to fight right, extend forgiveness. To fight right, you have to extend forgiveness. I love this quote from Ruth Graham Bell, um, from, from Ruth Bell Graham, who is the, um, the wife of the late Billy Graham. And she said, a good marriage is the union of two good forgivers. Now the word forgiveness in the Bible literally means to cancel the debt, to bring the balance to zero. So whenever you see that word forgiveness, it literally is saying, hey, there's this massive debt that you have and it's taking it all away and it's going all the way to zero. And for some of you, that type of forgiveness seems impossible. You're like, but Pastor Brian, like you don't understand. You don't understand what they did to me. You don't understand what that person, maybe my dad, my mom, and you, like you don't understand how they treated me. You don't understand what was done to me. You don't understand, like that is impossible. That type of forgiveness is not possible. But let me encourage you that it is possible. It is doable. And here's why. Because God himself showed us how to do that when he forgave us. In Ephesians chapter one, verse seven, it says, he being God is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. In Colossians chapter two, verses 13 and 14, it says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all your sins. He canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. See, because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I have been completely, totally, and fully forgiven. Past, present, and future. Everything we've ever done has been completely forgiven. And here's the truth. You'll never have to forgive somebody as much as you've already been forgiven. You'll never, you'll never have to forgive somebody that much. And um, man, um, when you think about that, and you think about what, what God through Jesus has done and forgiven us that much, here's what I've realized, is that you really truly can't extend that type of forgiveness until you have experienced that type of forgiveness. And here's why. Because you can't give what you don't have. And so you cannot extend that type of forgiveness, that bringing the balance to zero, 
until you've experienced and you actually have experienced what that feels like. And so because only once you've experienced forgiveness can you extend forgiveness. Now write down this principle as we close and then we're gonna pray together. Forgiven people forgive. So important for us to realize that today is that forgiven people, they forgive. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes and I just want you to ask right there, wherever you're at, whether you're at a watch party, whether you're at your home, you're by yourself, you're watching with other people. I just want you to create just a a quiet space for you to focus and for you to just ask God this question. God, what are you saying to me? What are you speaking to me today? Maybe ask him this, like, what does my response need to be to this message? How can I walk this out? How can tomorrow be different because of what I'm experiencing today? And maybe your response is that you need to sit down with your spouse this week and write down some some pre-fight rules. Maybe you're in the middle of a fight right now and you need to make the choice to go first, to stop waiting on them to come to you and you go to them, that you're gonna do what's right, that you're gonna initiate that first step. Or maybe you need to extend forgiveness to someone, but maybe you're here and you need to experience that type of forgiveness that can only come from God. And the truth is you can't really, I'll say it again, you can't extend that type of forgiveness until you experience that type of forgiveness. So we wanna give you that opportunity today to receive the forgiveness from God, to make the most important decision of your life, to start Maybe if you've never had a relationship with God, today you can start a relationship with God. Or maybe you have in the past, and now you feel so far from God. And today you need a fresh start, and you need to receive forgiveness all over again. I'm telling you, everything can change today. So today, if you want to make that decision, I just want you to pray this in your heart right where you're at. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent. I change my mind, and I change my direction. And will you come live inside me and change me and make me brand new? God, I surrender my whole life to you, everything. I give you everything. I give you my life and I choose to follow you. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for extending. Thanks for taking my debt down to zero. And it's through the mighty, powerful name of Jesus we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People.